one. Well, the last few weeks, I'm sure like many of you, I've been watching the news and following the political activity in Westminster and Brussels two weeks ago, had the flu like really, really badly. Like, it wasn't man flu. <laughs> it was, uh, I was... <laughs> I was in bed for six days and it was painful for everyone because I'm so bad at being ill. But my entertainment was 24-hour uh, news and watched hour-by-hour hour updates on the resignations of all the uh, different MPs and the breakaway from the political parties. And I start to feel a little bit excited that maybe someone new might emerge who could possibly lead us into some kind of positive future. And then soon I realized, they don't know where to take us. In fact, can I let you into a secret? Lean in a bit. I don't think anyone knows where to take us. There's no roadmap for the future in the UK. It seems a little bit unknown, doesn't it? I think we're longing for someone to show us the way. Someone to show us the future, to a promised land to lead us there. There's an innate longing of the human heart that says, I want to be led by someone or something. Our culture aches for good leadership. There's a groaning for leadership. You can feel it in the air. And there's either a passionate response that says, yeah, I know the way and I know which people are going to take us there. Or there's a dropout and a kind of cynicism of no one can be trusted to lead us. Our culture doesn't like authority or leadership. The question is, who can we trust to lead us? Who can we let influence us? We long for someone to give us a compelling picture of the future so that we can walk into it. But I want to know, who can I trust with my heart and my life to take me into the best future possible? To the promised land that I so hope for and long for. Can we trust politicians? Can we trust the media? Can we trust establishments or institutions? Can we even trust the church is the question. Who can we trust to lead us? And I want to speak to you this morning about that kind of tussle between a desire and an aching to be led well, and then a sense of maybe I'll just do it myself if no one else can lead me. No one else can be my boss or the person, the primary influencer in my life. And I want to talk to you about why I made Jesus my primary influencer, the prime minister of my life, the boss, my leader. I want to tell you why Jesus is that person. I love Baptism Sunday. Uh, it's an incredible celebration of people saying, I am no longer going to be led by myself or other people, but I am going to be led by Jesus. Now, of course, of course, we need leaders in our life, and I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about the primary leader in our life. And these people have said, I will declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and no one else. I got baptized 20 years ago this year, and it was the start of an incredible adventure for me following Jesus. I wonder if you can remember your own baptism. Perhaps you've not been baptized yet. Are you wondering, why do we even do this? Maybe you've come with someone to cheer them on and you're sat in this place and you feel a little bit surprised and a bit shocked about what we do. 
What the heck is this? Well, I, uh, I want to talk to you about what it is. This is an adventure of followship, and we do it because Jesus did it. Caleb said so wonderfully this morning that I'm not going to be influenced by other people around me, but I am choosing to follow Jesus this morning. You know, we long to be led by something or someone, to be led into our future. And this baptism is the moment that the Christian says, I'll stop looking at all the other influences in my life and I will let Jesus lead me. So I want to talk to you about the journey of following Jesus, allowing him to lead us into our future that he has created for us. I wonder how you define Christian. There's all sorts of people in this room. I wonder whether you think a Christian is someone who, who's kind, someone who goes to church, someone who gives money to charity, was maybe christened as a baby. I hear that quite often. I'm a Christian. I was christened as a baby. Maybe because they're from a Christian nation, you think you're a Christian. Because your parents were Christians. Maybe someone who goes to church. Let me tell you this morning that a Christian is someone who declares that they have a relationship, a deep friendship with Jesus, and that they choose him to be their leader. And today, a bunch of people have started that journey. They've done it by being baptized publicly, and they've followed Jesus. But it's not just today. It's not just a choice for right now to go into the water. It's an uh, intentional, ongoing, lifelong choice to say, I will choose Jesus as my leader. And one of the reasons they did it, and one of the reasons that we do it as a church, is because simply Jesus did it. We follow him in his footsteps and the way that he lives. And so Jesus was baptized. He was baptized in a place, uh, in a river outside, uh, possibly beautiful, sunny, warm day, uh, in the Jordan River. And it was the same geographical spot Uh, that the Hebrew people, after coming out of slavery, uh, they come through the sea, the sea is split, and they wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and then they cross over into uh, what is called the promised land for them to become a great nation. That's the promise that God spoke over them. And they uh, cross through the same geographical spot that Jesus was also then later baptized in. And he's kind of linking the two narratives as he does it. The story of uh, the Hebrew ancient people that come out of slavery into a new land, a new land that's promised to be flowing with good things. And he says, I'll be baptized and show that my father is my king. And in this spot, I will walk into the future, the promised land, but I'm not just walking myself into it. I'm walking I'm walking the world into it. As I walk into the next chapter of my future, I will take all of broken humanity with me and I will release them into freedom and life in the same way that God took his people earlier, centuries earlier. And so... These guys are choosing to follow Jesus, and this moment is rich in meaning and symbolism. This is their crossing over moment from death to life. They now have to learn to inhabit the land that God has given to them, the new territory, the one that is marked by the lordship of Jesus, which really means the leadership of Jesus. And they're in good company because uh, there's loads of us around uh, who are on the same journey, trying to our best to follow Jesus and make him our leader. 
So it's a continuous and intentional decision to say yes to Jesus. And I think if we don't continually say yes to Jesus to decide that he's Lord every day of our life, then we will let other influencers or other things lead us and shape us and take us in different directions. I want to show you what those things might mean. Jesus calls us to walk into a new land with him, into a promised land. But I think we are continuously promised fake promises of fake promised lands by other people or organizations or products or companies vying to influence and lead us. So I've split those into three kind of key areas. Let me tell you what they are. I think the culture or society at large advertises the kind of meta-narrative of, the, of life, the um, atmosphere of life, how people act and react and what people expect, that wants to lead us. The crowd, the people around us, they want to lead us. People want to speak into our lives, they want to influence us. I know even our own conscience, our self, our feelings, our heart, we want to, our heart wants to lead us in a certain direction. And all of these things, they weren't meant to lead us, we were meant to lead them. As we follow Jesus. If we follow these things, they'll lead us to a place, not of freedom, but of restriction and hopelessness. They're not going to lead us anywhere. But the promised land, the place that Jesus wants to take us, is the place that God's prepared for us as his children. A place of our heavenly destiny. A place of hope that we can belong and we can flourish. And because there's an inbuilt desire in us to follow something or to be part of something, uh, then we see it all the way through history, people waiting for someone to lead them. You know, the first century people, uh, when Jesus was kind of on the scene in uh, first century Palestine, uh, he had... Uh, they had the same inbuilt desire. They had the same longing. They were looking actually for a political leader to come. The Jewish people were under Roman oppression and they needed a political leader to come and break them out and free them from the tyranny of the Roman rule. They were waiting for a Messiah to come and liberate them politically and into this tension and expectation, Jesus arrives and he kind of declares a leadership announcement, a manifesto in John 10. It'll come up on your screen. Waiting for this leader who will bring force and liberation, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the, fa the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. It's not what they were expecting. They were expecting uh, a charge, someone who is going to um, overthrow the rulers. And yet he said, I'm a shepherd and I'm going to lay my life down for my sheep. I know my sheep, my sheep know me. When he's speaking to the crowd here in John 10, he was speaking to the Jewish religious leaders who were looking for leadership and someone to come and break them out. He was using a metaphor that they would all have understood. Remember, they are people who've had kings in the past, and those kings have done various things, but one of the most famous kings of their nation was King David, who was just a shepherd boy. Do you remember the story? He killed Goliath, and he became king. 
He was one of the most famous kings in, his, in the history of their nation. And he was a shining light of rulership for the Hebrew people. So I want to go to the famous portion of scripture that King David himself wrote uh, to describe what it means to be a good shepherd. If you would turn with me to Psalm 23, and we'll go on a little bit of a study through this passage. So the Psalms, they're like halfway through the Old Testament. Uh, If you've got a Bible on your phone or you've got the old-fashioned type, that's great. I'd love you to open it because we're just going to walk through this passage. This is what it says. Psalm 23, a psalm of King David, the shepherd king. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love those words. They're beautiful and poetic. I think they describe and illustrate the promised land that God offers that is way better than any other offer that culture, the crowd, or our own conscience would make. The promised land that Christ speaks over our life as the good shepherd. So let me take you through this passage. This is why I've chosen to follow Jesus as my leader, the one who describes himself as the good shepherd. Hebrews 13 speaks of Jesus as the great shepherd of the sheep. 1 Peter 2 calls Jesus the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. 1 Peter 5 calls Jesus the chief shepherd. I think it's really remarkable that Jesus Christ, our Lord, would describe himself as a shepherd. In Israel and the other ancient societies, the shepherd's work was considered the lowest of all works. If a family needed a shepherd, it was always the youngest son, like David, who would become the shepherd. It was an unpleasant assignment. And God chose to be our shepherd. The God of the universe stooped down and he said, I want to take care of you. I want to be your shepherd. And David, King David, the shepherd boy, knew this, meta, this metaphor in a unique way because he was a shepherd himself. And he knew uh, that he, as he was describing God, he was describing an intimate, personal, sacrificial character who would lay his life down for the sheep. You know, Jesus knows what we need. He says, the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing or have everything that I need. He gives us everything we need. I love how Linda said, as she, in a baptism uh, statement, she said, even when my earthly father died, I looked to my heavenly father and he gave me and my mother everything that we need. Do you know, culture and society would say that he cares for us and what we need. It doesn't really. The advertisers tell us what they want us to want. They play into psychology and try and get us to want things that perhaps we don't even need. 
You know, the internet algorithm, every click that we do kind of compiles some kind of case towards us really needing or wanting something that actually we don't even want. And we get shown advertisements of things that actually we don't really need. Politicians assume our needs, they tell us half truths so that uh, they get what they want in their um, agenda. The rat race of ambition and striving for success and status causes an internal kind of frenetic striving within us. The crowd pulls us in various directions according to their own agenda. And even our closest friends, they can't really fulfill everything we need. My husband, Paul, he can't give me everything that I need. It would be unfair to expect people to meet all of our needs. So maybe out of cynicism or suspicion or just experience, we wonder, can we even trust anyone to lead us, to, to meet our needs, to guide us? And so then we think, maybe we'll just try and meet our own needs. Maybe we will do it our own way. We'll go in our, let our own conscience guide us meet our own needs. But I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know if I'm always that trustworthy about what I need. You know, sometimes I think I need loads of chocolate and all I want to do is stuff my face. And probably my waistline doesn't need that chocolate. If I go for what I think I want, I end up in a mess. My own ambition or selfish ambition, the own desires for what I want, uh, kind of letting the, maybe the um, marketers tell me subtly, and I think that's what I need. But the Lord is my shepherd, and he knows because he made me, and he gives me everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, last week when I was ill, I was forced to lie down, and I hate being ill. I hate being unproductive. Uh, I want to just keep going and keep going and keep going and work to achieve. And I've been reading uh, just over this last week a uh, commentary on this psalm written by an actual shepherd who understands sheep and uh, gives a bit of insight into what uh, David might have been actually referring to. And he says that sheep don't lie down easily. It's a bit like me. Unless four conditions are met. Let me tell you about them. Because they're social animals, they won't lie down if there's friction among the sheep. If flies or parasites trouble them, then they won't lie down. If the sheep are anxious about food or they're hungry, they won't lie down. And so the rest comes for them because the shepherd has dealt with all of those needs in their world, in their lives. And the same, the good shepherd, he deals with our fear, he deals with friction in our relationships if we let him, he deals with the pests and the flies that buzz around our head, and he deals with our hunger, he feeds us and gives us what we need, so that we can lie down and we can find rest in him. And I think if I look to the culture to lead me, then it perpetuates this cycle of not being able to lie down because I want to achieve and I want to strive and I want to get everything that I think I need. The good shepherd, he restores my soul. He restores my soul to its original purity and to the place, to the kind of substance of me understanding who I am and he gives me freedom. You know, the culture and the crowd would keep a record of our wrongs, put shame all over us. But Christ, 
He takes our sin as far as the east is to the west. Now, that's a really long way. I mean, it's eternity. And he makes us new. It's incredible that he restores our soul when we rest back in him. He guides us in paths of righteousness or in the right direction, living right ways for his name's sake. From a place of rest, he sets us to work. I love that God isn't a God that just lets us lie about all the time, but that he wants us to be productive and he wants to set our feet on the right path, walking in his way, in his direction, being productive. He gives you a place and a purpose, and that's what one of the things I love about Jesus being my leader. He guides me and he sets me to work, to join him in his work. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. You know, Jesus, he, he doesn't eliminate all evil or pain from our lives. I'm sure so many of you know that very well. Your stories are marked by pain and difficulty, by broken maybe relationships or sickness, by bereavement, by perhaps redundancy. But Jesus is with us in our pain as he walks with us in the valley. He leads us through so we can see a way out of it. And he guides us. You know, culture of, often promises fake happiness, eternal youth, beauty, instant health, satisfaction, fulfillment. It's just not true. Life isn't like that. And if you follow Jesus, we can't expect it all to be perfect. But we can expect the shepherd king to walk with us through our brokenness and to heal our wounds. The crowd can be a source of pain in our life. Friendships, people often let us down. Jesus, he never leaves us. He will never leave us. You know, our conscience following our own way. It often leads to destruction and pain in an attempt to avoid the pain that we don't want in the first place. But Christ, he shows us another way. He actively embraced suffering and bore our pain on the cross experienced every kind of pain so that we can be led through ours into freedom and healing. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He protects and he comforts me. Linda, again, she said, I felt the comfort and the protection of God. Something really safe, isn't there? Knowing about the authority that the shepherd has with his crook, his stick, and as the sheep are kind of going in their own direction all over the place, he just gently says, no, this way, this way. I'm just going to bring you in this direction. I'm just going to correct your path. I just want to comfort you because I know the direction of your life and I'm going to take you in that way. Culture says authority is a dirty word. There are no real guidelines. We can do what we want as long as we don't hurt anyone. You're your own authority. But the Good Shepherd, actually, his authority leads us and guides us and causes us to be comforted and to flourish. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. 
What a striking phrase. In the presence of our enemies, his goodness and his care, he thought about us before we even arrived in that place and he set a table out for us. A feast, a place that we could sit and celebrate and rest back and enjoy and be nourished in the presence of our enemies. You know, culture and the crowd could either become our enemy or might even just leave us to fight our enemies on our own go to a different restaurant, leave us there. But the shepherd, he sits at the table with us and he prepares that table before we even arrive. Left to my own devices with my own conscience, I'd run away, to be honest, or get in a scrap with my enemies. But Jesus Christ, he gives us a different way. He says, you love the people around you that you would be tempted to call your enemy. And then we know that our flesh and our blood, oh, sorry, that our fight is not against flesh and our blood, but there's fear, there's sickness, there's disease, there's poverty, there's lack that would come to taunt us as our enemies. And Jesus says, I'll prepare a table for you and you can rest back because I'll give you everything that you need. You don't need to fear. Everything I have is yours. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. I love this, that King David, he was anointed to be king. But there's two types of anointing uh, that they would have known about in those days. One is the kind of kingly, royal anointing for leadership. But there's also the shepherd would anoint his sheep every day with oil for three reasons. He would anoint... uh, their head to prevent fleas from laying eggs. He would anoint their head to stop the sheep when they butt heads. They kind of slip around and don't like lock. And so it would uh, mean that they, uh, even when they get into fights with one another, it doesn't cause as much uh, problem or as much damage. We can't help sometimes some of the stuff that comes between us. But you know, with prayer and with the Holy Spirit in our lives as friends, we know that even when we kind of butt heads a little bit. It doesn't hurt as much if we can make Jesus our leader and our Lord. And then thirdly, he anoints their head to heal their wounds. The anointing oil on the sheep would heal the wounds of the sheep that lives outdoors, that's kind of with brambles and thorns, getting stuck all the time, and the shepherd would just heal, gently heal their wounds. And that's what our good shepherd wants to do for us. He heals our wounds. And then my cup overflows. It speaks of hospitality. The welcome that the shepherd or the Lord makes for us in his place, the place that we belong with him. And a good host in uh, Hebrew culture would be a host that never let a glass get empty. They must have had interesting parties, but they would be filling the glass. And he says, My cup overflows, it never gets empty. God's always filling our cup so that we know that we're welcome in his presence. He doesn't want us to leave. He gives us good things. It's overflowing. There's abundance from heaven. It never runs out. Our cup overflows. Culture and the crowd, would they'd anoint the special ones, wouldn't they? the ones with high status, the ones that they can see something in. But God, he says we're all unique and he anoints our head for everyday service to him, for healing, 
and for the um, ease of our lives. And then our cup just completely keeps running over. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the promised land that we have been given. This is the promised land that he speaks of. Do you know that if sheep, if they are mismanaged, they can be the most destructive animal. They can ravage and ruin land almost beyond remedy. But in contrast, if they are led properly, they can be the most beneficial animal for the land. Tell you why. Their manure is the best balanced out of all the domestic animals. Did you? Uh, I didn't know that. It's of enormous benefit for the land. And as they are managed and led well in the right direction, they leave behind them something worthwhile, beautiful, productive and beneficial and they heal the land. Because I follow him, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and the byproduct of my life will bring healing to the city that I live in, to the people that I'm around, to the life that I find myself amongst everything that I do. Goodness and love, it follows me and it brings healing and fertility to the people around us. So instead of the culture or the crowd leading us and saying, um, Lincoln's a rubbish place to live. You should go to London or you should go to Nottingham or you should get out of here. What can we get from this place? How can we um, let it serve us? Instead of that, why don't we say goodness and love will follow us into our workplace, into the streets that we walk on, into our neighborhoods, into our families. And it's not what we can get, but it's what we can leave behind us as a legacy of fertility and beauty and creativity as new shoots spring up because of our life in this place. Finally, I wonder if the band would come up There's a place for me forever. That's our promised land. We dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's he's secured our future and our hope. He's placed us here. And our hope is an anchor that anchors us in life. Throughout life's valleys and mountaintop experiences, we know that the shepherd is guiding us and that he has our best interests at heart. He loves us and he can be trusted to lead us. And all of those things, that's why I make Jesus my leader. That's why I got baptised. That's why these people today got baptised. Because they know that the Good Shepherd is the leader and the only leader worth really, really following with everything in their heart. Culture. Our job is to influence and to lead culture, not to let it lead us. The crowd around us, let's leave goodness and love around them so that their lives can be changed and transformed. We don't need things from them. We speak into their lives and we bring hope to them. I want you to imagine what would it look like if you said yes every day to the Good Shepherd, to Him leading you, to the places you want to go your own way or you're allowing other influences to lead you. What if you just said, no, today's another day of me crossing over into the promised land and I'm going to stand as his son or his daughter and I'm going to let him shepherd me. And even if that means doing stuff that you don't really want to do, 
that your heart would prefer not to, we're going to go in His direction because He's the way. He knows best. He gives us everything we need. He is with us in the valley. He restores our soul. He allows us to flourish. And because of that, we leave a legacy of love and goodness everywhere we go. So imagine, imagine the kind of healing you could bring to your environment because you're leaving goodness and love there following you everywhere you go. Imagine, imagine what your friends would think if they saw how you handle your enemies at the feast table to celebrate, just to rest back. Imagine what that would look like. So we don't follow Jesus, we will let other things lead us. Today, we're choosing to follow Jesus and make him our leader and let him walk us in to the promised land. And we're gonna sing, we're gonna sing the song uh, that's taken and inspired from the Psalm that we've just looked at this morning. And we're gonna declare your goodness and your love. They uh, are running after me, that even in the valley, even in the fire, you're good. But before we do that, I can't, just get down without giving you an opportunity. If you've never made Jesus your leader, if you've never said yes to him, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. And I want us all as well, just to make that reaffirming choice. Jesus, you're my leader and I will follow you. And we'll do that by reading a prayer that we read every week and we'll read it out loud. And once we've read it out loud, if you have prayed it for the first time and said yes to Jesus, I want you just to put your hand up and uh, one of my friends will come with a booklet and we'll sit and pray with you and just talk to you about your next steps into following Jesus as your leader into the promised land. Let's read this prayer together. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you're alive today. I admit that I've lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love you just to pop your hand in the air. Yeah, Jesus, I want you to be my leader. I'll follow you. In the balcony, if anyone prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love you just to put your hand in the air. Say yes, I'll follow you. Okay, why don't we stand to our feet? We're just going to sing to finish and we're going to sing those words like we mean it because Jesus, he's our leader and his goodness and his love follow me.